0: I'm Adam Hergenrother and welcome to Business Meets Spirituality. This is a show for leaders and high achievers who've experienced success on the outside and still feel like something is missing in their life, who have made money and accomplished big goals, but then ask themselves, is this all there is? After all, business is nothing but a conduit for your personal growth. Need nothing and enjoy everything. This is Business Meets Spirituality.
1: A couple of days ago, we were on a prep call for a speaking engagement that um, Adam and you and I are going to be doing in Las Vegas in about a month. And the host of the event, I thought, said something kind of interesting. He said, Adam, you are known as the time guy. You are a master of time. And then he asked, you know, how, how did how did that happen? Did you always have control over your calendar? Or when was there a shift for you when you really got purposeful with your time?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Well, there's, time is an illusion in itself, right? And we'll kind of talk about that. But if you, if you, if you bring it back to my um, when I first started in business, even before you were on, on board, uh, it was mid-2006, I, um, I had no control of my time. I mean, the reality was is when I first got into business, I got into it to make a ton of money, right? And we've we've talked about that before. And I usually, I, and the funny thing is, I I would sleep in till like seven thirty, eight eight fifteen. Um, I was kind of just that. And I would get up, and within five or six minutes or eleven minutes, I was like out the door or working or trying to do something like that. There was no like leisure time to work on myself beforehand. So I would literally just kind of sleep in late. Um, and then I would just work. There was no boundaries. I didn't have kids then. I wasn't married then. So there was just no boundaries. I just worked nonstop. And for me, that it's funny because, we, and this is a conversation about time and work, right? There was no... There was no like punch in at eight and punch out at five. It was just things had to get done. It was a results driven organization, and the organization was Adam, right? But it was just results for me. Um, and so I just didn't think about time in the same context as like we're showing up at eight and we're jumping out of five and the day stops. It was just I would work 12, 13, 14, 15 hour days. It just didn't matter, right? It just it, it was just I was building it, and I was growing, I was learning a lot, right? And then over then over time, right, you started to realize that A, I've started adding more leverage in there and started understanding that you can, you can use your money to invest to gain time. That's kind of what people get into organizations for, or particularly if you're looking from my standpoint, if you're a, a visionary and founder and taking all of this risk and you start putting back into people, you, you essentially want freedom. You want time for those things to come in. And then you know, I started getting bigger into having a morning routine, right? And the entire morning routine, Kind of triggered and I wanted, and I started feeling the benefits of having this morning routine, so that kind of got me purposeful on having a very purposeful timed morning routine in the beginning. Um it was mostly just maybe call it like twenty minutes, thirty minutes of actual personal development time I mean to what it is today, which is hours long. So I kind of just started that process for it, and then again, I would kind of just keep slithering it away. It was like six and then five fifteen and this took like a year, eighteen months to kind of continue to go down to find that moment there was a there was a period where I got to. You know, kind of fast forward a lot. Where I was getting up at three o'clock every day, and that was honestly just too early. Like some days, I'll do that if I have a long exercise day, but most days, like for me, the magic point is four o'clock. If I can get up at four, that's like a typically like a really good point. So I try to structure my day from there. But really where, um, so then I just started, I think it's just sequential, right? These, this kind of process of, of really getting focused on time starts to become really, really uh, important. And I'm going to bring some tactics in that you can bring into your, into your business um, for, for time, but I'm just kind of sharing a little bit of the story. Really where I got extremely purposeful, particularly talking about it on, in a business-structured uh, time, is when about three, a little over three years ago, where I started to, I realized I wanted to sign up for Ironman's, and um, I jumped in wholeheartedly with doing Ironman's, and so then this whole new slew of training took on. And you know, I kind of have this this quality that I that I, when I take on something, it's not really to take on to like be the best at it, to be the best at. It. I take it on to see how much I can extract from what I'm doing, and how how much I can learn from it, and how much I can grow from it, and so I just kind of. Throw myself all into it, and I've done that through a lot of things in my life. It's just throwing myself to just extract everything that I can from this new process, this new journey, this new growth that I'm having. And so I did that with with Ironmans. And so I, I hired a really high professional coach, and all of a sudden I went from like exercising maybe like six hours a week to like sixteen. And I remember when I first started doing these weeks on Fridays, I would uh, typically you need in an Ironman training session you need. Um, two big days throughout the week. And the big days are somewhere between, you know, four and a half and six and a half hours one day. And then somewhere between four and a half and five and a half hours the next day of actual exercise, not like prep time, on driving, actual exercise. So um, I didn't want to take away from my family time on the weekend. So I said, man, I'm not going to exercise for six hours on Saturday, then five hours on Sunday. Like I'm just, just, I'm putting my family in too much pressure for having them to bend to my schedule. And I didn't like that. So then I started emailing I think I started with my calendar and it was basically like, um, I'm just going to take Friday off. I'm going to go ahead and just, I started emailing Amy, I think it was, um, and just said, Hey, you know what? Just cancel my appointments on Friday, right? Cancel my appointments on Friday. I did this for like three weeks and then all of a sudden, I don't know if it was you or Amy. Uh, I forget who it was. It was you. Yeah. Um, and then I think you emailed me back and you said, uh, well, why don't I just, just from now on, just not have Friday as a day that you ha- are accountable to anybody. And uh, I said, that's a great idea. But then it was was kind of this fear, a couple things went through, like fear of like, am I going to have to justify my work to people because there was like, now I'm working at this four-day work week. or And then this other thing was like, can I get everything done in four days, right? And so I am, because that's why Friday is a long day. So I went to this kind of four-day structure. And what I found was hopefully something that you can take away well, I actually got so much more purposeful with the moments that I was willing to work. And I think the, the key word is there that you're willing to work. Now, obviously, we have a large organization. I have lots of employees that I can help um, from doing these things. But there's some things and some tactics that anybody can employ when you do this. For number one, what I found was about 50% of what I was doing in a week didn't matter. About 50% of actually the appointments, anything that I was in just didn't really matter. Now, I'm not saying it wasn't active. It just didn't really matter. So I think one of the things that you can do-
1: Or- can, Yeah, I just, Yeah, I was gonna say- they did matter, but it didn't necessarily mean that you needed to be involved in them.
0: Yes. Right. Yeah. Or I didn't need to be involved in them or um, it just, it wasn't the highest and best use of everyone's time to actually have that meeting, right? And so you kind of look at those things and Hallie and I sat down and said, okay, and we continue to do this just about every quarter and we reassess my calendar. We reassess like anybody else that's, that we're pulling into these meetings to make sure that they're being impactful so I'm not wasting anybody else's time. So I would, I would suggest that you go out there and cut just for a week, just try this. Right, or cut your appointments in half, right? Because here's the thing. There is the Parkinson's law, right? Which is basically if you actually look at the 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 definition, if you will, of Parkinson's law, which is work expands so as to fill the time available for its completion.
1: Which right? is what you did with your four your four-day work week. Exactly.
0: And so what I find is like with meetings, it's the same thing here. It's like, by the way, where did like a 30-minute meeting come from? Like where how did that duration show up? Like it just all of a sudden, somehow, like you, you say, hey, in five seconds, you realize you need to meet with Hallie. And then you said, oh, great, I need 30 minutes. Really? Because you took the time to like sketch out this conversation to realize it needs 30 minutes. No, we don't. We just naturally go to a 30-minute block, right? And so what I found is people show up a little bit late, at least I do. Um, and then because the, nothing really starts on time and people are doing this. And then, then you kind of get into a heart of a conversation. And then you look down and you realize you still have like 11 minutes left in there. So you find something else that you can talk about that seems relevant to the conversation. And then magically at 29 minutes into the conversation, right? You find a spot where you can just then stop and everyone gets up and leaves, right? And versus approaching this is like, hey, I need three minutes, right? I need a five-minute conversation to get right to the heart of it and you can solve these things. So go back and and eliminate 50% of your time allotment for meetings. Um, So an hour to 30 minutes, 30 minutes to 15. And and also go through and and just eliminate any meetings that you just don't necessarily need. And if you're not in control of being able to eliminate necessarily like, like I can, just sit down with somebody and help them out and go or go ask, do I really need to be in this? What is the purpose of this meeting? Right. I love how Elon Musk talks about meetings in general and, and, and just his his overall um kind of uh his thinking around meetings is that most of them are just he thinks like 90% of them are just useful or are not useful at all, um, especially if it can be solved in an email that people can do it at their own time, kind of like on-demand, different things then there. So I mean Hallie, you've been involved with in kind of shaping this calendar for a while in time. Uh, what have you seen?
1: Well, of course, the most um, immediate question that comes to mind is, how do we apply all of those things that you are just talking about to, which is really visionary and founder and, you know, business owner specific to an employee? Yeah. Are there differences?
0: Well, I I think there are, right? I mean, clearly when you're in control of like, you know, like it's good and bad, right? Like it's, it's, because you're in control of things but at the same time you're also in control of everything so you have to be responsible for everything as well too and so for me it was obviously easier I didn't really have anybody to to account for. And so, the other thing about this is that when you think about a four day work week, yes, you can say that you've earned the right to do this and you don't need to justify why you work four hours, four, four days a week. Um, I'm just sharing with you like what I've done to be able to, co- to really compress my time to make sure that I'm in the most impactful meetings. Then I'm working on the most important things I need to do. And I'll give you a couple of tactics today to do that. Um, but also, the other thing that I just, we were having this conversation about this before we jumped on here is on Fridays, it's not like I'm lying around watching, you know, Oprah, right? Oprah's great. But like, it's not like I'm just lying around doing that. I am exercising for four or five days. And I know some people go, wow, that's not really work." I get it. But sitting on a bike for four or five or six hours and running is, is harder than work for me, right? I also read an entire book basically, or listen to like seven podcasts on Friday. So I'm increasing this massive input. Now, I know there's this discussion about it that is that work, right? And we're kind of thinking about what's the definition of work and that's well,
1: for for a, a business owner there comes a time in yes. there or a C, or or a CEO within a large organization there comes a time when what you are just talking about is is the work now it's not going to necessarily be the case for 90% yep. of the population because 90% of the population aren't necessarily you know the owner of the company like me right yes. i mean i don't have full i have a lot of control mm-hmm. i don't have total control over everything which i did but i don't but that is your job and that does become your work. That wouldn't necessarily be my work, but that's also not what you hired me to do.
0: Yeah, you know, um, one of uh, my one of my major mentors in my business career basically came to me at one point in time while still working seven days a week, right? And said, Hey, Adam, understand at some point in your life, your work, your job is going to be to read a book a day. Like you're just going to have to do, it's kind of like Warren Buffett. You know, everyone knows about that. Like he reads Mm -hmm. eight hours a day or Mark Zuckerberg, how many books he reads because your goal is to stay ahead and lead your team. And the only way you stay ahead and lead your team is to have more input.
1: And now I, now I will say, I know that a lot of people listening to this podcast are entrepreneurs yes. or very entrepreneurial and while it might not be this four, you know this great little package little four hour or sorry four day um week it is crucial that they are spending finding time carving out time maximizing their time so that they do have certain hours for personal development activities yeah. whether that's exercise reading journaling et cetera.
0: We were doing a um, uh, a live podcast the other day or uh, um, a teaching and you said about work on Fridays. You said, what was the wording that you used? Because I thought that was really good.
1: Yeah. You're simply just not accountable yeah. to anybody else for your time Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yes. It doesn't mean that you're not doing things. You're yes. not, you're emailing, you're coming up with creative ideas, you're reading articles and listening to podcasts, but you're not accountable to, to the organization, to me, to yeah. anybody else in, in internally in the company or externally, business other business partners, yeah. you are totally unaccountable for your time while you're working. And in fact, that's actually how I enjoy spending the weekends as well. I am not accountable to anybody for my time very often I'm also working. Yes.
0: Yeah. I think that's a good way of, of, of saying it. It's not that you, you, you're kind of not working, but you're just, you're, you're working on your input the entire time. And then Monday through Thursday, I'm very accountable to my calendar, right? It's just, it's, it's fixed. It's there, not fixed, but it's just the, the dates are set and there's very few and moments.
1: accountable to our leaders and our, to our leaders, emplo- to employees, and, to everybody, sure. to the
0: community, to the people that are clients, to everyone we're serving, very, very accountable. And then that Friday, Saturday, Sunday is that kind of gaining clarity, right? What went right with the week? I do a lot of journaling during this time. I do, a lot of reflection. I also do a lot of planning and thinking just in my journaling and my process so that I can come on a Monday and then re-energize or reset the tone or figure out what conversations I have to have. So I I think it's, instrumental to be able to have some sort of time built into your calendar to be able to do that um, effectively so you can gain that clarity. And that goes for employees too. I'm not saying that you need to necessarily take a day, but um, as you're doing these things, you you can really find some time. So how do you find some more time? We talked about cutting the meetings in half. The other thing that you can do is start measuring your day in minutes. This has been instrumental for me. If you, a lot of people see time in terms of days, weeks, or months, or even a year. Like I can't wait to get through this month. I can't wait to get to this year. And they kind of just lump time into this overarching large duration of of time, instead of really coming down and going, "Okay, I've got. What am I going to do for the next minute? What for the about the next five minutes? Like you start measuring your day. What did I just do for the last ten minutes of my day? Right. And you. And, and for me, even this morning, I was here. I was coming in. And I got, I got in, and I I knew I had to prepare for some of these things, and. I started replying to some emails, which again, I didn't really necessarily need to do at this moment. Right. And then I asked myself, I said, man, how am I measuring my time right now? Literally the question went through and I said, this is not the best use of my time. So I put my email away and went back to preparing. You were being busy.
1: Yes. I was being busy. And I just
0: asked, I said, what did I just do the last four minutes of my time? I'm like, I mean, I allowed myself to get distracted in email. And so I said, I turned that off, put, classical music on and I went back to what I was starting to do before I got distracted, which was preparing um, and taking notes and, and figuring out what I wanted to talk about and, and kind of the whole um, what we're doing here, right And so I just it was just a, just a prime example of that of just what the difference you can do at each moment.
1: Why do you think so I mean there's so many people who want to accomplish great things and have things in life and you know discover themselves and make an impact on the world. Why are so many people? procrastinating or distracting themselves. Like you were just talking about, what what is driving them to do that instead of doing what they actually want to do?
0: Yeah, so what's dr- there's two ways to answer this, but the first one is what's driving them to, to do that is the fact that they don't really know what they want. It's the lack of actually having clarity around what it is that you want out of your life and different things. For instance, you don't know what, and the second part of this is, you don't know what to say yes to and what to say no to because you're not very clear on what it is that drives you or what's what you have to say yes to. There's not like a course that people take this as a decision making one-on-one.
1: So how, how do you get clear?
0: Yeah, so what you have to do is you have to I love this phrase, people that matter the most matter more than anything else. Therefore your decisions become easy. Let me dissect that for a second. But people that matter the most matter more than anything else. Therefore my decisions become easy. What that's saying is that your employees, like people, doesn't mean it can be your family, it can be your people, it can be your leaders, it can be the people that are your, that are in your room, it can be your clients. The people that matter the most matter more than anything else. Therefore your decisions on what you need to do in that moment should become easy as long as You're clear on what matters most for what you're doing in this moment. So if you're here, and I'm like, okay, what matters most is my attention to be on this podcast, right? Or if it's my, you know, if I'm in a meeting with my CFO, the most important thing that I can be doing this is being present and giving him my attention in this moment, because I know that this is the most important thing for both of us to be doing.
1: Can can we can we zoom out of that for a little bit? Totally, totally makes sense in the moment. But how how do you know that? that conversation, this podcast or that conversation with the CFO was the most important thing to be spending your time on.
0: Well, thanks for bringing this full circle because that's why having that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to gain the clarity, to stop and realize what is the most important thing that you can see instead of just being so wrapped up in your job and being able to look at the larger vision, which again, you asked me personally, so my job is to make sure I'm casting that vision, is to make sure that we're going in the right direction, right? And as an employee, you need to wake up and, and ask yourself, what's the most important thing that I can do based on the vision? And if you don't know what the vision is or the numbers you need to go after... Or what's the most important thing that you want to go after to do in that moment, then you should get clarity from whoever is that you're, whoever's leading you, right?
1: Or just the vision on your life in general, right? I mean, that, that dictates where what job you take, what company you're with. So how do you recommend people get clear on that? It's not just about the the company. It's yeah. About. I was looking at it from a so business yeah, you were, perspective,
0: yeah. right? Yeah. It, for
1: once we, sw- we swapped roles there for <laughs> know, a second. Right? Yeah, um, <laughs> And
0: so if you look at it from a life perspective, I mean, we use a tool called the future self, right? And people can find that or just email us and we can send that out to you. But um, yeah, I think it's actually on the website. Yeah. Um, it's com. You can find the future self on there and that breaks it down into six different categories. And it starts to get you very clear on where and what you want to accomplish in these six different categories, right? And then
1: those decisions start Become easy. Becoming easier.
0: Exactly. And so that's, but most people will never stop to find out what it is that they want clarity on, right? It's like, it's, it's, they just, most people are taking other people's answers because there's safety in other people's answers. And so instead of deciding what it is that you want for yourself, right, you literally are, 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 are digesting, right? Other people's answers because there, there's safety in there instead of trying to figure out your own. And so when you, if you hear this part of just, you know, part of it, I always kind of wondered this, why don't people stop and kind of gain this clarity and, and really move forward with this? Like, why aren't they? And I think a lot of it has to do with, they almost don't want to find the truth, right? They almost don't want to be in a situation where they're forcing themselves to ask what matters most, because you know why this is kind of like, when, when you know what matters most, you know, what has to be done. And I don't think a lot of people want to change. <laughs> Right, I think like if you're listening to this, obviously you're 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 wanting to change, you want to grow, so you're, it's hard for you to understand that. But I can remember at parts of my life where early, early on in my my childhood, like it wasn't easy for me to change, to do any of these things like it is now, and I think a lot of people just have no. You know, comprehension that they need to change or want to change. and so they're just comfortable taking other people's answers and so not having to search for the clarity that makes their decisions easy. And so it's like there's always one component that're saying yes to that drives so much into their business. And so when you learn this, and think about this from a practical example in your life, the day before you go on vacation or even the week before you go on vacation, you all of a sudden get like this this, you're so good at saying no, aren't you? It's like you get so much, people are always like, I got so much done during that week. Well, why? You got so much done because you literally had like this badge to kind of be a jerk, right? To kind of be like, no, you're not really being a jerk, but you kind of had this new new uh, ability to say no to everybody else, but you had a valid excuse that you felt was a valid excuse to be able to tell people. It's a
1: socially acceptable excuse to say
0: no. Yeah, socially acceptable excuse to say no so that you could then say yes to the better things because you had a, had a time for vacation,
1: right? And even in, in, um, treating every week like you're going on vacation is, again, Parkinson's law Yes, in action, Yes, which is why people get so much done.
0: Yes, it is. And so 24 hours, we all have 24 hours in a day. So we know that, that time is not the cheat. It can't be. There's, nobody's invented more time yet, right? It'd be cool if they did, but they haven't. And so that it's not, people like to think that people are more successful for other reasons. People are mostly successful the reasons for how they use their time. You know, one of my mentors um, always shared with me that like, if you take out your calendar, not the pretty six different color category calendar that you've created for yourself, the actual calendar that you have is is generally a reflection of, you know, your income or, or what your life looks like, right? Like whether you went to the gym, if it was on your calendar or whether you didn't, right? Like the meals, the date
1: nights that you had with your partner, right? It shows you, what's actually important exactly. to you. Right, and not what you're telling yourself or tell others that's important to you.
0: Yeah. And and, and one of the things he just reminded me of is when you ask people like, hey, do you have kids in the room? And people say, yes, I have kids. And I say, well, you know, would they be the most important thing to you? And of course, everyone would say, yes, they are. And then you follow up that question was, well, give me your bank account and your calendar and I'll tell you whether or not that's actually true. Right? And it's not like, there's not a judgment there. You're not doing it consciously. Just most of how people spend their time and spend their money isn't a direct reflection for what that is. That's why when people that matter the most Matter more than anything else, the decisions become easy. An example of that would be how you invest your money, right? And so, how you can save money and buy different things, so you can get freedom to spend more time with different things, or how you how you just how you structure your day and all these different things. So it becomes so people don't stop to reflect on having clarity in their life about where they want to go. On the kind of again, go to the future self, revisit that, write that out, um, and then start. We actually did a whole podcast on it. You can go back and listen to that future self podcast about gaining clarity on time. Look, time is this illusion. And the reason why time is an illusion because all you have is time. And I'm not saying you do this, but if you literally just went, went out there and just said, I'm going to give up my responsibilities as a parent, my responsibilities as a worker, as an owner, or as an employee, and I'm just going to lay on a beach. Do you have the option to do that? Right? You, I'm not saying you can.
1: I just feel like that's such an interesting dichotomy because we have all we have is time and yet our time here on earth is so limited. Yes. So we're always constantly playing with this, almost like fighting with ourselves about we have all sorts of time. We're gonna, you know, that's all we've got. It doesn't matter, you know what you what you just said. Versus, but well, we only have eighty years here. So like what, what are what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do with yeah. our time? Yeah, it's finite. So we're fighting against ourselves constantly.
0: Hey, your finite period here, in the in the context of each day, you have twenty four hours. So you can do anything you want. People, because the reason I guess I go with that, that conversation is people always come to us and say, I just don't have time. I don't have time to do this. It's not true. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean by that. Is it's actually not true. You could let go of a whole bunch of other things. I'm not saying you should. I understand you got responsibilities. My whole point is that you, you need to say, I'm choosing to spend my time on something different. Because then you start gaining control of time versus this illusion that I don't have time, right? And that's where people get lost is I just don't have time. Well, stop. Stop that. That's actually all you have is time. That's all it is. It's just going by. It's like, you know, you're I I think of this when I go back, I always think of this analogy as like this river that's flowing. And when you're born, right, the earth peoples, like apple trees, apple, right? Like you just earth that's a whole other spiritual conversation we'll get into. But anyways, you kind of just drop into this boat in this river when you're the whole point of me saying that was that like when you're born, you get put into this Hallie's look at me weird. Like when you get born, you you get into this river of this canoe, and the canoe is all of a sudden going downhill. So meaning that like the minute you come into this earth, this physical form,
1: life is moving. Life is moving,
0: right? And it's kind of you get into this boat. And then obviously when you have the ability to start making your own decisions, you have all these intersections, like say, picture it, like every 200 yards, there's another intersection, right? And so you get to make a decision. And if you're just accepting other people's answers and ingesting them, then you're not making your own decisions. You're making somebody else's decisions for your life. And so you just, oh, I'm going that way. I'm going that way. And just every time, every 200 yards, every 15 seconds, there's another decision. And you're just going there. So if you don't know where you're going, you don't have the clarity on this, that's why it's the most important thing is understanding what your true north is, right? Understanding what, what, Each aspect means to you, right? So that when you come to each decision point, because here's the thing: you can't avoid. You can't avoid not making decisions. Well, I guess you can avoid them. You're just making. You're just allowing somebody else to make the decision for you. Not making a
1: decision is in fact actually Actually a decision. decision. (laughs) Yes.
0: Thank you, Allie. That's very insightful. Um, So it's but but it's a self sabotaging
1: behavior to a certain degree. The not making decision, um, procrastination, distracting yourself. Why? Are people doing that?
0: Because they don't know. They what's still important. don't know.
1: Yeah, they don't know what's important, nor where so they're coming down
0: to. Right. Yeah. And so that's why when you can think about you're in this river and it's just the world is constantly expanding and you're just floating on this river until you leave this earth, right? And you're faced with these decisions each moment. And so unless you know how, that's why I'm saying decisions actually become very easy when you know what's important. So meaning like you know a practical example from a family life. Like I have three kids under seven. Right. I mean there's, I have 17 different birthday parties every weekend that we get invited to. It's okay to say no to those things, right? It's your child will be fine. I promise, right? Like, and so you can go, yes, you can go to one or them if you want, but if it's going to take your entire family and ruin the whole day, i mean, ruin, that's not really the right word, but just use the time in a different place. You couldn't do that because you like to go skiing, skiing for us as on a family on a Saturday of being all together is more important than that. Birthday party. There are two decisions you get to make, but if you don't know what's more important, then you'll get caught in this limbo and then you go, well, I don't really know. And this is why people say yes to things they know they're going to be saying no to later on.
1: You you always say, be more proud of the things you say no to than the things that you say yes, yes to. Too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, I'm sure I stole that from about 100,000. <laughs> yeah, I don't people know where I heard it. Said first, that. Yeah. yeah. But thank you for giving me that credit. But like, I mean, a lot of people, and it's true, like Warren Buffett says that. He's like, I see, look, this is a great example right now in the time that we're in. Warren Buffett is sitting on a war chest of 200 plus billion dollars. It's a great example of decision-making. 200 plus billion dollars, probably even more than that right now. And he hasn't purchased any type of business, right? For the last 24 months. And people are like, did he lose his ability to do this? And he goes, it's not like he hasn't been presented with opportunities. I mean, he's Warren Buffett. I bet he's got a hundred different opportunities every 15 seconds. And his, his thing was, he goes, there hasn't been the right opportunity. That's literally what he said. Two years, 200 billion dollars in cash, he could easily deploy. I mean he could I mean, think about that for a second. yet he hasn't bought anything for 24 months. I just find it so fascinating, his ability to hold because he knows what's most important. He knows if he can't go into it and get the 20 percent return that he wants in this, he'll say no to it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He's very clear on what and when he'll invest. And I just think that's such a, a staple that we can take away from a principle that we can have in our lives around making decisions in our lives when you know what it is that you do or want or going after or allocating your time to the decisions become easy they just do they just become easy once you're clear on this right
1: this could be a a topic for another day but i'm gonna ask it and how do you how do you figure out what it is you want
0: how do you figure if well, that's the
1: beginning? Yes. If that's where you have to start. How do you how do you figure that out?
0: A great place to start, and maybe this will be your takeaway that people can start with this. Start writing what you don't want. Sometimes, in order to figure out what it is that you do want, you need to start figuring out what it is that you don't want. So, I would encourage everybody to sit down after you listen to this, find some quiet time for even fifteen minutes, and just start writing down things that you don't want. And then that makes very. And then when all of a sudden something shows up in your life that's in your don't want category, it's very easy to say no. And then literally saying no also is a is a is a habit that you can form, and it just becomes part of your process. Right in the beginning, I remember seeing one of my mentors um, who's very successful. Um, we used to work out together every day for about seven or eight years. I mean, very, very successful. And people would always come up to him and want his time and they wanted his money, right? Like not, and they weren't mean. So I would be with him in these social situations working out for an hour and a half every day. And they would, walk, and I just remember this, They would, they'd would walk up to him and they'd be like, Hey man, do you think you'd come to this fundraiser over here? And he goes, no, I can't do it. And at first I kept hearing it. I was like, man, that was rude. I was like, man, that was kind of like really stark. And it was just, it caught me off guard, right? Because he's a nice guy. And like, oh, you know, hey, what about this fundraiser? He goes, no, we've already allocated our funds for the year. And he just, and then so finally I just like, I asked him, I said, dude, they, you know, something sounded kind of like, rot. He goes, well, he goes, I didn't mean it to be. And he goes, it just, if I'm not clear <laughs> on where I'm spending my time or my money, then I'll just start saying yes to everything. And I can't. And so I don't want to say maybe, or I don't want to give the impression that I may do this knowing damn well that I don't have nothing, that I want nothing to do with this. So I guess it comes out that way because I want to be very clear to people that it's a no from me. And I just thought that was such a powerful takeaway in my life is that to be very, to say no with authority, that's not being mean. It's just, it's you're taking direction and control of your life. And, and again, one other thing that somebody mentioned to me early on was somebody, he said, somebody, nobody has the right to dumb your life up. One of the first conversations that I had um, was somebody sat down with me and said, look, Adam, understand, nobody has the right to dumb your life up. And he wasn't meaning it like somebody attacks you or different things. He was basically meaning nobody has the right to take your time. Nobody has the right to take your time. Or money. Or money, right? That you don't want to, right? So just being very clear on that. I just thought that was a really and I, cool... And I
1: think that people, and at least I do, respect those individuals who have that conviction in the uh, about what they do with their life. Yes,
0: yes, they do. And it's because they know that what you're doing is hard. Mm-hmm. It's not like they walk every day and after you say no to them, they're like, man, I really respect you for saying no to me because that was really awesome. They inherently kind of just, they kind of walk away going, I wish I, wish I, could, I do that. could do that, right? They're like, oh, I wish I had the ability just to say no to that. And it's not to make you feel insignificant. It's that then you should take that and go, you know, and listen to our, you know, episode 14, right? That talks about how you gain clarity on these different things in yourself. Thanks for listening to Business Meets Spirituality. If this episode resonated with you, check out adamhergenrother.com. That's H-E-R-G-E-N-R-O-T-H-E-R for more free resources and materials. And folks, remember, never give up on joy.